This is the University of York's The Story of Things Snapshot. I don't know what happened. It's worse this time. A bite-sized podcast that explores some of the most interesting research at the university. (coughs) I'm Philippa Gearing, and I'm with Dr. Mariana Lopez, who is a lecturer in sound production and post-production at the Department of Theatre, Film and Television here at York. That was probably a bit of an unusual introduction, certainly the sound design. Mariana, could you just tell me what we were just listening to underneath the introduction? This is uh, the introduction of a film called Pearl that was produced by a group of of third-year film and TV production students at the Department of Theatre, Film and Television here at the University of York. And uh, that uh, is the the audio of the original film. Um, And we use this film to try to turn it from something that is inaccessible for visually impaired people to something that hopefully is accessible. So what we have is a combination of uh, music that is uh, kind of setting the tone of the film. We have sound effects and we have a little bit of dialogue. But of course, um, as uh, people listening might have noticed, it's very difficult to make out what is happening. Uh, this is the experience a visually impaired person would be getting. They went to the cinema to watch this film. And what is the research that you've been doing? What have you been trying to change? Currently, uh, the traditional form of accessibility and the only form of accessibility for visually impaired people is something called audio description. So audio description is a pre-recorded verbal commentary that once a film is completed, gets added to um, television broadcasts and cinema uh, screenings and basically tells visually impaired people what's happening on the visual channel of the film. And you sometimes might get uh, descriptions of things on the audio channel that describers uh, think um, visually impaired people might not be able to understand without the context of visuals. And at the minute, if you're a visually impaired person, you only have one choice uh, audio description or actually not using anything so if you don't like the current accessibility method you actually don't have any other options but we believe that accessibility should be about embracing diversity and acknowledging that not everyone that has a visual impairment has the same needs or experiences or preferences what is the general reception at the moment of audio description so it's quite tricky because of course uh the the great thing about audio description, and I always say this because it's very, very important to acknowledge it, is that it's hugely important that it continues to be produced because at the minute there is a huge number of people that depend upon it and the regulations now determine that only 20% of programming has to be with audio description, which means that if the show that you want to watch doesn't have audio description, you're missing out on that. So I think it's really, really important that those percentages are, are increased. The reception really um, changes, and that's why personalization is so different. So some people love the system, uh, and that's what they're used to, and that's what they want to continue having. Um, some common complaints have to do with the fact that by overlaying this description, then you're missing out on elements that are in the soundtrack, Um, That could sometimes be interpreted as slightly patronising by audio description users. So a typical example is someone saying, you know, you're hearing a sound effect of the door and the audio description saying, you know, a door was opened. Um, Another uh, important um, thing is that the balance between the original soundtrack 
and the audio description is not always to people's satisfaction. And also the amount of description and how much people want does change a lot from person to person. So there's people that have told us, okay, we want a full description of everything. We want to know costumes, hairstyle, while other people say, well, actually, I just want, you know, the, the key elements and the rest I'm happy to make out on, on my own. Can we listen to a bit of the um, traditional audio description? Moving towards a bed in a large gloomy room in daytime, everything's slightly blurred. There, a young woman, Margaret, is sitting up facing a window of bright light. Her dark wavy hair hangs loosely down her back. Curtains frame the window and a small lamp glows to the right of it. An older woman, June, stands beside the bed watching her. The glare from the window dims and the image focuses. June quickly pulls back Margaret's hair, then puts a metal bucket down in front of her which Margaret picks up. Another woman walks in. June. I don't know what happened. It's worse this time. One of the things that's, that strikes me about listening to the audio description is that it's essentially an interpretation and obviously mm. it comes after the creative process, after the production of the film. Surely that's a bit problematic as well because you're telling people, or you're not, but the audio description is telling people what to think about it. Yeah, uh, that's one of the things that for us is most controversial about traditional forms of accessibility. It's that idea that actually you're taking a finished product, you have the script, you have the finished film, and, you know, you are always going to be adding an interpretation to a product because as, as much as we might try to be objective, it's impossible really. And uh, a describer has to make a choice as to what they think is, is more important to describe for something else. And my concern is that that might not be the same focus the filmmaker might have had. Also, when you audio describe something, you might um, unintentionally be drawing focus to something that might not have been important for the filmmaker at all, or it might have had a very minimal role. So, for example, say you have a lamp on a table with an orangey glow that is just part of a set, establishing a mood. By describing it, you're actually drawing attention to it and suddenly it starts becoming more important than it was actually meant to be. And when we hear something described to us uh, because we are programmed to pay attention to words, to language, suddenly that becomes more important than if it's just in the visual field as something in the corner. And that's why that connection between filmmakers and accessibility experts is so important because then the filmmaking team can provide information as to what really is the intended focus and then of course accessibility experts can work on how that might be conveyed to audiences so what we, what we wanted to show is that we could provide an alternative and to provide that alternative we work with uh, three main methods one of them is the idea of reducing verbal descriptions by providing information through the sound effects in a film. So when you produce a film, the sound recorders that go on locations and captures all the recordings, uh, most of the times records much, much more than makes it to the final version of the film. So we want to uh, explore how we can use those additional recordings that were made to actually provide an accessible experience. Another technique that we use has to do with audio spatialization. So we use something called binaural audio, Binaural audio is, in very simple terms, 3D audio through headphones. So you can get not just a sense of left and right, but you get a sense of front and back. And 
generally you might also get a sense of the sound coming from outside the headphones so you might think it's a source from the real world so that might trigger you to hopefully forget that you're wearing headphones and we use this to tell our audiences where the characters are uh, positioned in the space on the screen so are they to the left to the right the front and back where are they moving from and to it also helps um, set up the scene so you can tell audiences that say there's a fireplace towards the center at the front there's a door being opened to the right surround of the listener etc and all that helps us reduce verbal descriptions which are otherwise interfering with the soundtrack of the film the third me method we use is instead of having a third person describer for those elements which are difficult to communicate through sound effects or spatialization, we use a first person description. So the main character or characters would be telling us uh, certain things that are happening and things that have to do with their feelings. And this is a much more poetic and organic way of approaching descriptions because it's integrated seamlessly into the soundtrack. And something to bear in mind about these three techniques combined is that the idea is that you apply them from the start of the creative process. So nowadays a film gets completed and then it goes to an audio description company that writes and records the audio description. The filmmaking team has nothing to do with accessibility and accessibility team has nothing to do with the creative team. So what we are proposing is that all these techniques get incorporated from the point in which you're writing the script and then into the production and post-production of the film. The, the techniques that you were describing to do with, you know, movement, adding more um, atmosphere, perhaps sound effects, those sorts of things. None of this is that new, actually, mm -hmm. really, is it? I mean, it's existed in radio drama, for example, for years and years and years. Yeah, absolutely. It's the application and, and actually trying to push the boundaries of how you think about sound. Um, a lot of the research we do has actually in its initial stages looked at radio drama techniques and, and absolutely does borrow some ideas from there. Um, in the case of binaural audio, binaural audio has been around for, for a long time, but it's only now with the advent of virtual reality and gaming, it's become uh, much more uh, trendy, so to speak. And I, I firmly believe that if you have great technology that can achieve great things, you should be using it to make a difference for, for society. But it also sounds incredibly creative. The director and, you know, the artists can be really heavily involved in producing this. Absolutely. I mean, the, the great thing about accessibility is that it does make you more creative because suddenly if you're a sound designer, you have to think, OK, you can no longer depend on the information given on screen. How am I going to convey this message without being patronizing, without relying too much on verbal descriptions? And a few people that have attended talks on the project and our sound designers themselves have said that their creativity was really boosted. Well, can we listen to the enhanced audio description in that case? Yes, of course. I sit on my bed, my dingy room full of shadows. The only light is from my window. I face the light, waiting for it to start again. The nurse brings the silver bucket and gets me ready. Mother comes in. I don't know what happened. It's worse this time. She gets the oxygen mask. 
something moves under my skin. For me, listening to that, the first person narration is such a simple technique, apparently, but it's such a clever usage because you don't break the fourth wall, as it were. You know, you're still immersed in the the drama. Absolutely. And it's... um for the users, I mean, a lot of our volunteers have told us that they kind of forgot it was a description because they get into the story. So only afterwards they realise, oh, actually, you know, we're following everything and, and we don't have need of anything extra because it's already embedded in the uh, in the soundtrack. Uh, so that is a great thing in itself as well. What we do is we add, we add uh, a little bit of what we call reverberations, some... Uh, acoustic enhancement uh, to that first-person narration so that it's very clear that it's a thought process and not something that the character is, is saying uh, out loud. And again, this is a very typical uh, film uh, sound design uh, technique, but we're just using it for another purpose. Now, the really great surprise we got is in the very final stages of uh, testing, the results showed that there was no difference in how accessible they considered the traditional version versus our version. So they thought the amount of description provided, even if it was in a different way, was just as effective um, and just as engaging. And for us, this is great results because you're here you're, you're kind of fighting against something that is a habit. One thing that I found from that final version was actually that I didn't it didn't get in the way for me, whereas the traditional audio description did. So I wondered if perhaps people who aren't visually impaired might also get something out of these descriptions or not mind watching with somebody who is visually impaired. Absolutely. And that was at the heart of the project. So when we um, bid for the project, a lot of our ideas had to do with social inclusivity. So what we wanted to create is something that could be enjoyed regardless of your sight condition. So what we did as part of the project in our very last stage is we had mixed audiences of sighted and visually impaired people and uh, we um, played the film to all of them and actually we got really really good responses um, from both sighted and visually impaired people and uh, something that's quite interesting and it's actually something that happens a lot with accessibility is that you create something thinking and, and targeting um, a specific group and then you benefit a lot of other people you didn't even know needed it so a lot of people told us actually it really helped me focus uh, and now I am more engaged well before I actually really struggled to know what was happening so uh, it's it's one of the great things of access and and hopefully an incentive for um, the industry to look into investing into into it what you're doing and what you've created this perhaps is a new art form it just sounds like a great idea for lots of different people so when is it going to be brought in when can we hear it when can we access entertainment and films and things with this enhanced audio description well that's a great question i mean we would uh, again uh, we've always had uh, as, as researchers the the aim of seeing it go into um into mainstream um film and, and television of course these processes tend to be slow because we we need to um, work on establishing um, strong relationships with the industry which we've started doing by working with companies like ITV and Dolby uh, but getting workflows to change uh, is extremely different uh, difficult because um, the fields of film and television have very very set workflows so a lot of what we're doing now is thinking about how we can very clearly convey 
how the workflows would work and how it would be a, a kind of a minimal hassle <laughs> to implement uh, especially I mean with digital film it re it's really not much of a much of a, a difficulty to do um, so we're uh, working on having those conversations with industry and maybe even thinking about trying to put together standards of alternative versions of accessibility that are based on um, the research we have and the results from working uh, with end users. Fantastic, thanks very much. The story of things, snapshot. Podcasting a bite-sized insight into research at the University of York. Produced by Philippa Gearing for Overtone Productions. If you want to comment, please tweet us at Uni of York. <laughs> <laughs>